please stand for the reading of God's word. 1 John 4, 7 through 16. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God in God in them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Charlie, thank you for the shout out. As he mentioned, I have been gone the last two weeks. I hope some of you noticed that. It's a good feeling to be noticed when you're gone and missed. Um, I got to take my first ever sabbatical, if we want to call it that. It was two weeks. So I've been calling it a mini sabbatical. Bruce told me I should call it a micro sabbatical. Whatever, I'm grateful for what it was. Got two weeks, went for the first time to Puerto Rico, which um, is what, man, what a beautiful place. And it was special. It's obviously a big part of our physical neighborhood here. It's always been a big part of our church community here. And so it was really neat to be able to experience um, that place. Uh, We split up, the family came with for the first week of it. So we stayed on the western end of the island in the Rincon area. And that was lots of fun. My son is crazy about all four-legged creature, so he spent his whole time chasing lizards and catching the little ones and releasing, doesn't hurt, uh, but his, his, uh, his, his white whale was trying to catch a full-size iguana, so that was what kind of dominated his trip. He did not catch one, um, but he tried. Um, he actually kind of caught one, but a bigger one came and chased him away, so he's got all, all kind of cool stories from, from that, and Gabby had a lovely time. Um, uh, my wife is a gigantic runner, and but couldn't find any. It's so hilly and tiny road. She couldn't run the whole time, so she was sad about that, but loved it otherwise and that. And so we all had um, a great time together. And then I departed from them and went to the El Yunque Rainforest, where there's a retreat center. And I got to spend a week doing a silent retreat, which was really meaningful. And um, you know, I'm pretty extroverted, so silent retreats are good. Uh, it may have happened occasionally where I was out taking a prayer walk and there was a local who wanted to talk. So there was mild extroverted moments and coffees, but I figured that was an important part of listening to God, learning about the history of the island and local stories. But other than that, it was very much a silentish retreat. And uh, I had some things I wanted to think on and reflect on and felt like I had some really great time for that. Um, I was really hoping God would reveal some things I wasn't even knowing what to think about. And actually that happened too. Some really important, I think, life themes for me. So um, feeling really grateful for the time, very renewed, very happy to be back in things. I like really for real, seriously, did not do anything River City while I was there. So I can't remember ever not at least watching the service while I was out of town, but I did not watch the service. I don't know what y'all, well, I, not, I know now what y'all did, but I did not, I was not tracking with you the last two Sundays, though I love you. I did not check my emails. I did not, I really did. I, I was, 
I was completely off the grid for two weeks. So um, thankful to uh, so some of the things that happened. One of the things I certainly want to acknowledge, Taylor and team figured out, we are now doing live Spanish translation during services. So that's like a really big and important step. And so it takes a lot of work to figure out both the technology and the human power for that. So Elias is back there right now translating this. So Elias, we see you and we are grateful for you um, and grateful to be able to have that. So all the way from prayer and praise to sermon and et cetera. And so that's really significant and meaningful. Uh, and then thankful to Benjamin and the team who really conceived this next series that we um, are in for the new year. And uh, uh, we're calling it simply the practices. And uh, Benjamin's thought, and I'm, I'm following this, he said, you know, he said, one of the things I noticed about this River City community is like, there's a lot of appetite for thinking about big things and wrestling with big ideas and really taking on these heavy, heavy duty kind of things. And there's a place for that. That can be important. Uh, but sometimes the weaker muscle in that can be, how do you actually practice these things? How do you actually put faith into practice in such a way that we're drawn closer to God, that the things God wants for us both individually and as a community are being put into practice? And so let's not do heavy thinking in this series. Let's really look at ways we can practice our faith in the context of community, which I think is really a wonderful challenge. And the subject I want to do right off the bat is one where I have to take that challenge of not being heady and being practical because when I thought about where I'd like to start off kind of in terms of what, what I think of as a critical, critical practice, let me say it shortly or in a, in a nutshell and then we'll kind of dive into it. Uh, I think it is really important that we all learn how to practice listening to the voice of God listening to the voice of God. That is what I want to talk with us about today, share with us today, this practice of listening to God. And again, right off that, I'm gonna take this challenge because I've actually been kind of hungering to do a lengthy series where we like really look at all the ways the Bible talks about how God speaks, how we can hear, the different ways that shows up, the different filters, the different ways of discerning and listening together for that in community. I think there's a time and a place for that. It's somewhere along the way. But today I'm really gonna take this challenge of like, like, like we're gonna kind of get right to it of like, what, it, what, it, what are we being invited to when we're talking about God speaking and us listening? And how do we put that into practice? That is what um, I would like for us to dive into today. And so uh, for me, the, the, this is not the passage we're doing. We're doing 1 John 4, which is written in the last years of the Apostle John's life. The passage I would always start with when I think about the subject of listening to God, my favorite passage, and I know you were around for a while know this, um, John chapter 10 is my favorite passage for the idea of listening to God. This is where the Apostle John describes Jesus as the good shepherd. Jesus says, John says, Jesus is a good shepherd, and there's this lengthy parable that Jesus gives, and he says, I'm the shepherd, and it's kind of hearkening this image of Psalm 23, right? The, the good shepherd who uh, takes us to, the, 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 to, to eat of the green pastures, to drink from the still waters, to protect us in the valley of the shadow of the death. Jesus is kind of locating himself as that shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And the, the, the word know comes up over and over and over again, that there's this intimate knowledge between Jesus the good shepherd and the sheep that Jesus leads. And then this is where, I mean, it's just very, to me it's very evocative, this imagery. It's just, it's stated so simply in a way that I think goes beyond what most of us believe can be true. Jesus says, not only do I know my sheep, not only do my sheep I know me, they know my voice. My sheep learn to recognize my voice. When I speak, they recognize it and move. And that's like so simple and yet so profound, right? Like, do you see yourself as that? Like, as you imagine Jesus, the good shepherd in your life, can you like really trust that idea that Jesus speaks to you? I, 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 
I like always want to like ride that line where I'm like not invoking guilt, but I am kind of like trying to push us to have a vision of something. Uh, here is something that I don't think is true for most of us, but I think would be a great vision to have. I think most of us on a daily basis should feel like we heard from God a few times that day. I really think when the day comes to an end, you know, when tonight comes to an end, I feel like that's a realistic, hopeful vision that we could have that we could look back on the day and feel like, yeah, I definitely sensed the presence of God moving in my life a couple times today. I feel like I can kind of, I can kind of feel like I can point to places where I heard the, the, the good shepherd speaking to me as his sheep. Now, my experience is just almost none of us actually think like that. Uh, almost none of us would say, at the end of the day, I feel like I heard God again today. A lot, there's, this is where I can't get too heady. I need to just get to it. But for a lot, there, there's all these misnomers we have. For a lot of us, we think that God speaking has to be this kind of angelic, thunderous voice from the skies that's coming, that it's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a thing. That, that can happen in the Bible. That's not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about shepherd and sheep, right? Shepherd and sheep relationship is a daily kind of relationship, right? It's a, it's a, it's a daily speaking to the sheep and then of course this i won't get too much into this but i think it's an important part of it too it's that's where jesus famously says i've come to bring life that's all wrapped up in this idea of jesus speaking to us and jesus says and there's a thief that tries to steal kill and destroy and here's one of the reasons why i think listening to god and getting better at this is so important because god is not the only voice that's speaking it's the most important voice that's speaking but it's not the only voice that's speaking jesus says in john chapter 10 the, the, the sheep not only learn to recognize my voice, but they can differentiate it from the voice of somebody who's not the shepherd. This, it just in kind of a very plain way, the whole Bible and John in particular talks in such a way where it's like the, the important thing is trusting that God's a good shepherd and that we can hear God's voice, but that there's other voices and those voices are never neutral. <laughs> um, th- those voices want to take us away from what God wants for us. So it's not, it's, it's, it's not that anybody's necessarily thinking of this, but it's not just this like cute little thing like, oh, that's cute that like God can talk to me, I can listen. It's kind of like, no, it's kind of like a life and death reality. Like we gotta get good at learning the, God, the voice of God because that's what keeps us safe. That's what keeps us protected. That's what keeps us moving towards life. All right, so I say all that because we're gonna go to 1 John 4 and you can bring that, practice, bring that passage back up if you don't mind, Sergio, and we'll just kind of leave it up there. This passage does not explicitly say anywhere, here's how to hear the voice of God, but I bring all that because this is the same John who says in John 10, this is his framework that Jesus is the good shepherd and speaks to his sheep. There is a lot of language that talks in here about coming to know um, the character of God. It talks about being in contact with the, the Holy Spirit, which is how it is that we're able to hear the voice of God. Uh, let, let me say one last thing, and then we're gonna get, kind of get very practical on this. One of this is both a sharing thing, but also very relevant to this text. One of the things I did leading up to my little mini sabbatical, um, for the first time ever, I spent two days with a life coach, uh, somebody that's whole profession is sitting with people and helping them kind of think about what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, how do you, how do you kind of like really live the best you can. I'm, you know, had my 50th birthday this year, just trying to be really wise in terms of how I spend my time, my energy. So it's this one day worth of like reflective kind of stuff where you look over the course of your life, you know, formative things, strengths, weaknesses, where you're at your best, all those kind of things. And then the second day, that the kind of concluding exercise is he tries to lead you in this process where in 10 words or less, you try to describe what your purpose is. And that was a really hard exercise for me because as a pastor, there's like a whole bunch of things, you know, that I have to do all the time. So like winnowing that down into 10 words or less was a very difficult exercise. So I was, I was admittedly stumped on how to do this. So I said to this guy, I said, uh, give me a little bit of help. You've been with me for a day and a half now. You had any cues for me and stuff you're hearing? He said, actually, I do. He said, I actually have one word for you um, that, you know, and then we can figure out if there's nine other ones. But he's like, 
But whatever the answer is to your purpose statement, the one word that has got to be in it for you, I don't mean like a general purpose, people purpose statement, for you, the one word that has got to be in your purpose statement is love. And I kind of like laughed, like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, man, that should be in all of our purpose statements, right? I mean, Jesus, that's the great commandment, love God, love your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor, right? That should be in all of our He goes, no, 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 no. He said, I seriously, in all my years of doing this, have never heard somebody talk about love <laughs> as much as you do, which I guess that's a sweet, I mean, I guess you're going to be known for something. That's probably a good one to be, even if I don't live it out, as good idea, at least I'm thinking about it a lot. But then here's what he said, and this really struck me. I've been really sitting with this, um, and this really was a very helpful mirroring back. He said, he said, now here, here's what I, he, he said, here's what is so noticeable. He's like, we have talked about so many different subject matters over the course of a day and a half. We've talked about so many different things you do as a pastor, so many things you do outside of the church. He's like, here's what struck me as we we're talking. It doesn't matter what the question is for you. The answer is always love. It doesn't matter which subject we're talking about and which question comes with that subject. For you, you truly believe that the answer is love. Every time. I thought, wow, now that is actually really reflective of the journey I've been on with God because I think that actually is true. Like, that is my theology now. It doesn't matter what the question is, the answer is going to be love. And not in some, again, squirrely, squishy kind of a way, like in a particularized, transformational way, love is going to be the answer to whatever it is that we're wrestling with. And when I kind of got to this practice, you know, and think about listening to God, I thought, you know, if the question is, how do we practice listening to God? Can anybody guess what I'm going to suggest is the one-word answer to how we listen to God? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you guys, that was not meant to be a trick question. You looked a little like, like you were squirming on that one. Yeah. Um, and here's what's comforting me. I, I don't think love is the answer to any question is a me thing. I think that's a God thing. I think that's a Bible thing. I think for sure for the Apostle John, we see this at the beginning of his life. We see it at the end of his life. If you want to know an answer to any question you're thinking about spiritually, ultimately John's going to believe the answer is love. And that alone, I actually think is pretty darn trans transformational to like actually trust. Like the, John says this over and over in 1 John 4. If you want to know who God is, you can summarize who God is in one single word. God is love. He comes to this over and over and over again. And so I want to start here. We're going to branch into three ways to think about love. But I, I, I sometimes I like struggle. I'm like, am I being, is this too overly simplistic? I'm like, no, I don't think this is. I don't actually think most of us believe this or at least functionally believe this, that God speaks on a daily basis, A, and secondly, that the one word that consolidates everything God is saying to you can be filtered through this word. We're going to get there eventually by the end of this one. I'm, I'm going to do this a lot today, all right? Not only do I want you guys to believe and trust what John believed and trusted, that God as the good shepherd, that Jesus the good shepherd speaks to us, but when Jesus speaks, it can all be filtered. Everything Jesus is going to say to you on a daily basis as the good shepherd can be filtered through one word. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's find some kind of middle ground between those two <laughs> where it's authentic and passionate. But uh, um, so that, that, that's, that's, that, that would be really the two big things. Now we're going to like go into like how to practice it for the rest of the time. But those would be the two things. If you're going to, if you're going to, you know, know how this is by Monday already, you can't even remember what happened at church and what we talked about together. I'm hoping you remember this one. I'm hoping you remember when somebody says, what happened at church? I'm hoping, you say, I'm hoping what you'll say is like, I'm really wrestling with an idea. The apostle John really believed that Jesus is the good shepherd, that we're the sheep and that God talks to us. All right, I want you to really sit in that, that that is what is expected from John for the people John loved. John expected that to be normative, that Jesus is the good shepherd, that we are the good sheep, and as the good shepherd, he talks to us. And that even if that seems a little bit scary, even if that seems a little bit enormous, even if that seems like, how do I ever recognize the voice of God? That even though we realize there's 
more ways we can think and talk about it, that we can trust this, that everything God will say to us is going to be filtered through a single word. It's going to be some version, some expression, some application of one single word, which is love. All right? So for the rest of this time, um, we'll just take one swing at this. All right, so let's assume now that's true. Jesus speaks to you as a good shepherd, and when Jesus speaks, it has something to do with love. Uh, let's go one level deeper. If God is speaking to you on a daily basis, how can you maybe categorically start to think about the ways that God, through the Spirit, through the voice of Jesus, this is where the beautiful language of the Trinity comes into play, when God speaks to you about love somehow or another, what are the, diff- what are the different versions of love that maybe you might hear? And I, would, I, I think the Apostle John consistently categorizes these into three big categories. And so we just want to kind of walk through each one of these three categories. We'll see it in this passage. We see it more broadly throughout his writings, more broadly throughout Scripture. Um, but now I'm really trying to like be practical now, right? So I want you to like try to do the same thing I'm doing this, like not interact with this in a super heady way, like try to actually interact with this of like, if I'm listening for the voice of Jesus this week, how does this first category help me listen for it? Okay? If I'm uh, listening to the voice of Jesus this week, how can the second category help me? All right, that's what we're gonna try to do. So you ready? You ready to like kind of dive in? So we're listening for the voice of God. We assume it's about love because Jesus says and it comes down to that, right? It's everything's gonna be around love the Lord your God, heart, your soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor. Everything's always gonna be about love. That's gonna be the kind of central, the central filter through all these things come. All right, none of these are gonna be like shocking to you. The point of this is to be practiced, right? So category number one, when God is speaking to us, when love is at the center, the first category, we see this a lot in this, and we'll go through these in a minute. The first category is that God will be reminding you of who God is. All right, here's the first category, the nature or character of God. God will regularly remind you on a day-to-day basis who God is, and ultimately that God is, right? All right, so here, here's a little exercise we'll do for each one of these. We'll, we'll just kind of summarize some of the verses from this particular passage under each one of these categories, and then we'll, sp- we'll spend a couple minutes on it going, like, practically, how do you listen to that in your own life? So um, go to the, f- go, go uh, I can't remember how many, yeah, so here's the first one. So when we're listening, practicing, yeah, no, th- that was good. God is love. Yeah, go ahead. And then next one, if you will. Okay, here's some, of the, here's some of the ways that John highlights this in this excerpt that we read from 1 John 4. And if you keep going to the chapters, this comes up and over and over again. So Apostle John reminds us that love comes from God, which these are just all deep theological realities to remember that anytime you see love in the world, I love this. I'll actually say this sometimes to my friends who are like so far away from being religious, so far away from being churchy, but I'll say, even if you don't believe in the God of the Bible, I believe the God of the Bible when God says, anytime you see love in a beautiful form in this world, that that's ultimately a reflection of who God is. I believe that with all of my being. That has been so transformative. John says, love comes from God. Verse eight, John says this a lot in his letter. God is love. Um, Verse 10, there's a whole lot we could like doing this, but uh, John John really believed that one of the ways we're reminded of who God is is the nature of, right, this is where the most famous verse, John 3.16 comes from, for God so loved the world that God sent his son to show us what God is like and to be an atoning sacrifice for us. There's a whole lot in that, but the idea of verse 10 is John's reminding us that we see the nature of who God is in the fact that Jesus was sent from the Trinity to take on human flesh and to ultimately die for us and be resurrected to give us power. Um, Verse verse 13, um, John always kind of thinks about the Trinity when thinking about God's love. So this is another form of love that God has given us the spirit that reminds us, that sings over us that we're loved. Verse 16, John comes again. God is love over and over and over again. Okay, so I'm not just, I'm gonna leave that up there. This is just kind of like a little like high view take of John 
of how often he comes to that. Now let's, let, I wanna do this for each one of these three. Let's, let's, get, let's get like as super practical as we can now. If you're practicing, if you're practicing trying to listen for the voice of God, why is this first category important? Why would it be important that God wants to tell you about what God is like? Why is that so important? Well, one of the, an A.W. Tozer quote that has always stuck deeply in me, A.W. Tozer used to say, if there was only one thing I could know about you, the most important thing I could know about you is what you think God is like. The most important thing I could know about you is what you think God is like, because what you think God is like is what will shape everything else in your life, right? So John is convinced that God is love, but John is not convinced that everybody else thinks God is love. Late, so I'm gonna riff just a little bit. Later in this chapter, God, John says, um, uh, perfect love casts out fear. You know that, that, that verse where John says that later on? Um, he goes on to say, if you think God is punitive, this is my paraphrase, but it's close to how he says it. John says, if you think God is punitive, then that shows you don't understand perfect love. See, John the apostle was pretty convinced that most of us don't actually think God is love at God's core, which is why it's so important that we listen for the voice of God as God reminds us that God is love. All right, so practically speaking, what, what might that look like? What might that look like to hear the voice of God say, this is what I'm like. All right, this is where I wanna take it out of like the spooky, out of the supernatural, um, because usually when we hear the voice of God, it's very subtle. It's very, God bless you. It is very subtle typically when we hear the voice of God. It almost, I've never had an experience where I heard anything that felt audible. I've heard stories of people who have that. I'm not saying that can't happen, but that's not ever been my experience. It's much more like, I think of 1 Kings 19 when um, Elijah, looks for God in the earthquake, looks for God in the storm, can't hear it, and then it comes in a still small voice to Elijah. I think of it as in Luke 24 when there's two men walking from the road, walking on the road of Emmaus, um, coming away from the crucifixion in utter disappointment, and Jesus comes and joins them, they don't even recognize Jesus, and Jesus shares a meal with them, and it's not until after Jesus leaves they figure out that it was Jesus that was speaking, which is also an interesting thing because a lot of times you don't really realize God was speaking until after the fact. But this is how they say in Luke 24. They say, wow, when we look back, were not our hearts burning within us? Which I think is kind of like a cool way to think of like what it feels like when God speaks. Like maybe you just kind of feel a little something in your heart, right? That, that's kind of how I feel when, when God speaks. All right, so what does it look like? If you're gonna hear God say, here's who I am. Let me give two examples. I think we could come up with a dozen of these if we think. Here's one of the things I think it's why it's so good to congregate together on Sundays like we do. One of the purposes of corporate worship is to actually remind us of who God is. Right? One of the reasons we sing is that we're trusting that God sings over us. There's like a whole theology of that. God is singing over us. We're singing back to God. And in that process of God singing over us and us singing back to God, it's kind of part of the design. The hope is that we might actually hear something from God in that. Right? So when we sing, you know, we did kind of two songs that we just kind of like really saturate ourselves in and we'll do one more here at the end. When we sing that, th this is often what will happen for me. We're singing a lyric together, I'm feeling the moment, but there'll just be this subtle little thing where I'll feel God say to me like, hear that thing we're singing? You hear, hear that thing how we're singing that God is a way maker? That's what's true about me. I actually am a way maker. All right, now did that sound like a gigantic voice from heaven where like life is forever different because of that? No, that's almost never how these things are. But is that a real moment where God is speaking? For me, I think so. I, I, it's these like little things along the way where you go, oh yeah, I hear that God, I hear, I hear this song in particular is reflecting something about you that I intellectually understand and believe, but I don't really reflect on as much as I should. All right, that, 
I believe that to be true, God, that you are a way maker, that you are the author and the finisher of my faith and that you go before me and you make a way when I can't see a way and that that's one of the ways you express love. Like, okay, and I try to be, here's, I guess, just something in the practice side I would try to really stress. When I get the, even when they feel like the tiniest little moment like that, and you come forth, do you ever know for sure it's God? No, I mean, really, no. But when I have them, here's two things I always do. I always write it down because I want to make sure I reflect on it and think about it. Secondly, I always talk about it with my close friends. Right? I, for me, hearing the voice of God doesn't become real until I talk about it. Now, that might be my extroverted side. I don't know. But I think there's something about trusting community in this process. So that would be an example. Like when we say, I have learned to take worship time seriously in terms of like getting the spiritual antenna up for what God might want to say. Does that make sense? Of course, that could apply during when we're studying scripture together too, right? There might be something where you read a verse and God says, your name in particular, hey, I want you to really reflect on this. This says something about me. Let me give one more example. This is, of course, fresh for me. But it happens here in Chicago too. I, I, every single day I was in Puerto Rico, and I feel I realize this is a luxury and a privilege to be able to say this, but every single day I was in Puerto Rico, I took a long walk on a beach somewhere, and I went to a different one every day. I took a long walk on the beach, and there is something about walking around in nature that just like opens me, like makes me wide open, right? There's this sense of, on one hand, it's a reminder of how tiny I am. Right? You got a giant ocean that's crashing waves and tiny little me. Reminds me of like the little speck I am within the cosmos of all that God has created. And at the same time, it reminds me that even though I'm a little tiny thing in this giant landscape, I think of Psalm 8, like uh, what Psalm says, how is it that you can be mindful of me even as we look at the wonder of all of creation. So when I'm out in creation, here's something I can say. It, it, it almost always sounds the same. I hear a little voice that says, this is all me. This is all me. And you are part of all of this. And you are special even as I know intimately every fish that's swimming around right there, even as I know every bird that's flying around intimately, I intimately care about you within it. Now, 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 truth is, I, 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 I get that same kind of thing when I walk around Lagoon in Humboldt Park. Like, it doesn't have to be a Puerto Rican beach to do that. Like, nature of any kind will do that. But it, I'm trying to be, like, super practical right now. Like, and so for me, when I, I think I, if you were here, I mentioned this. One of my life goals, and when we did the life plan, like, thinking about goals for the new year, one of my goals is to take one good walk every day somewhere in nature. And by that, I just mean walk on a boulevard just somewhere where I can see trees and stuff because I hear God a little more clearly when I'm walking in nature than I do anywhere else. And it's not the split the sky open, unmistakable voice. It's more like these subtle little feel in your hearts that God's saying, this is who I am, and that matters. Because when you see who I am, it helps you understand who you are, which is where we'll go next. So you, you track it with me, the first big category. God, I believe this with all my heart. I believe John believes this with all his heart. God will remind you who God is on a regular basis. And all the things that are true about God fall under this giant canopy of love. All the other things that are true about God are uh, expressions of that love of God in our lives. So I, with all my heart, believe that's one of the big categories of how God talks to us. God tells us who God is. All right, check with me. All right, second one. This is just the natural progression. Um, if we're listening first that God is love, then secondly, when you hear the voice of God over and over and over again, you will hear God say, and because I am love, that is what leads to you being able to trust that you are loved, that you are the beloved. Let's do the intellectual exercise first quickly just to kind of look at some of the ways, and then I want to, I want to show you something that just like popped alive for me in this one. But uh, verse 7 uh, and 11, um, John refers to people as dear friends. I'm going to come back to that word because it's this very warm, beautiful word. Other things he says in this, this is not 
this is love, not that we love God, but that God has loved us. Verse 11, uh, dear friends, since God so loved us, verse 16, so we know this is an intimate word that we can come to know on this and rely. I can already tell you we're gonna end this sermon. That's that last phrase of verse 16 is, boy, talk about putting it into practice. Learning how to rely on this love is what John is, is hoping for us. Okay, here's what, I, here's what I wanna do to really get to this. Um, uh, we're, we're reading out in the NIV. I don't usually make a huge difference out of the translations, the differences in the English translations, but in this one, it really does make a difference. In NIV, in verse 7 11, it's translate this, the word that, that John is using, it says, dear friends. Now, most of the other translations use a different word. So if you've got King James, New King James, RSV, NAS, I know other ones. If you have any of those right now, how does your translation say that, the, the, that salutation there in verse 7, verse 11? It doesn't say friends. What does it say? Yeah, it says dear beloved. It's actually how most translations other than NIV translate it, which I think is much closer. And boy, it makes the letter sound a little bit different. Um, all throughout John's letters, he, he addresses his, this young generation of believers who's with him as a nearly 100-year-old, seasoned apostle and disciple. And John calls them dearly beloved. And can I nerd out for just a second? We will go to practical on this one too. Do you want to learn what the word is for beloved? Humor me and say that you do. Uh, uh, here, here's the Greek word for beloved. I think this is such a fun word. Uh, go to the next slide if you would. All right, so there's again, dear friends, let's love dear friends. The Greek word for friends, drum roll. All right, one of the, one of the things that's gonna make this pop is you need to know what the most common Greek word for love is. The most common Greek word, there's different kinds, but the most common that's used throughout the New Testament is agape. Say that with me, agape, right? It's this beautiful, holistic, self, self-giving, other-centric kind of love. Like when you're describing the verb of love or the noun of love, agape, is the most common word. So you know, what the, you know what the Greek word for beloved is? Go ahead and go to this next one, if you will. I think this is, this is, this is kind of neat. It's agape tos. <laughs> the word for beloved takes this famous and popular word agape, and what John calls them here is agape tos, that you are the ones who are defined or characterized by God's love over you. Uh, I don't know why, this is just like captured my imagination this week. I've actually been walking around again, and I'm a nerd on stuff like this, so you don't have to nerd out this level. But I've been walking around saying, I know God wants me to know that I am God's agapetos. <laughs> I am God's agapetos. Uh, but I don't know, that like does something to me um, because, and I think the messenger makes a big difference here too, right? John is the only one that we're, we're given the, the actual account of doing this, five different times in his, in his gospel account of John, five different times John refers to himself as the one who is Jesus's, yeah, is agapetos. is the same word that God uses for Jesus at the baptism. You are my agapetos with you. Um, I'm well pleased. John really came to believe that the most central thing that was true about him was that he's God's agapetos, God's beloved. And as I've just been reflecting on that this week, you know, there's a part of there's a part of listening for God to tell you that it's God's beloved that can sound a little bit egotistical, can't it? Like it can sound almost a little bit like self-consumed that you're always listening for God to look back at you and say, hey, you, hey, Daniel, you're my beloved. You're my agapitus. It feels like it could be a little bit like egocentric or, 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 or self-centered. But you know, you know what I have, this is just a new revelation that's just occurring to me. Um, for the people who actually have a sense of this, they are the least egotistical people I know. Because I think this is, I think now, this is a working there, but I think this is how we're, I think that the more you hear God remind you that you're the beloved, the less you need to be in this greedy, needy place in every space you go into in the world. 
where you need somebody else to tell you that. Now, I mean, we need it from other people, but, but the, the, the hunger and thirst for knowing that we're beloved, that we matter to somebody, goes so deep that if you don't hear it from God, I can guarantee that every space you go into, you're going to be performing and achieving and maneuvering and stealing if you even need to, um, uh, but doing whatever you have to do to get somebody else to say to you, you are beloved. And so I'm convinced that this is not only not egotistical, it's the only thing that frees you from being egotistical, is to be able to hear the voice of God say this. And so here's the one, I mean, you know this is a big one for me if you're ever on, but I just really think two, three, four times a day, there will hopefully be a moment for you in just the subtlest, simplest ways where you can kind of hear God's voice breaking through the noise of your work or your home or studying or whatever you're doing, and where there's just this little and yet potent reminder, hey, Daniel, you know, hey, Carol, hey, Taylor, you're my agapitos. You're my beloved. You know that, right? Like, I truly do look at you and take delight in you. Man, that's not meant to be a singular revelation that happens one time over the course of your life. That's something that, I think that's something you're meant to hear a few times a day. I think John believed that too. So that's the second kind of practice. We're listening for God is love. We're listening for the reminder that we are the beloved. And then as you would expect, it's kind of the natural progression of the great commandments, the natural progression of how John thought. Um, last category, go ahead and do the next one, if you will. We are practicing for listening for the ways God wants us to express that love to our brothers and sisters. So we'll do a quick overview again. Next slide, if you will. Just some of the ways that John, like John, John refuses to let one of these three be disconnected from the others. To know God is love is to know you are loved, but it's also to be concerned for your brother and sister. So dear friend, dear friends, let us love one another um, because this is what God does. Verse 11, um, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, um, not, no one's ever seen God. But I thought this is another just really cool one. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You know what John's saying there, right? For a lot of people, it's going to be very difficult to believe that God loves them until they see that love embodied and enacted by another person. That this is one of the ways that God shows the world what God's love looks like is when we move into each other's spaces and show that love in concrete ways. So we talk a lot here about some of the big ways we need to take love seriously, about stepping up against evil and oppression, about pursuing justice, pursuing shalom, pursuing reconciliation, all those are important too. I wanna like, I wanna just be again, just be super practical today, right? So I'm, I, don't, I realize I don't have to convince you that it's important that we love one another, but what we're talking about is not loving one another, we're talking about listening to God, right? So what does that look like to hear the voice of God in such a way where it's about loving other people? Right? Like I, in fact, let me just pause for a second. I want you to think about that for yourself. What does that look like? Did, does that click? Is that something that already happens? Where it's like, oh yeah, that's right. God is real and speaks to us. It's all filtered through love. And one of the practical ways I hear the voice of God is it being guided by God, ushered by God to show love to somebody else. Does that register? If it already does, great. Then this is a reminder for others. It might be like, man, I have never thought about this possibility that not only God speaks, but on a daily basis, God might give me some cues about how to love other people. All right, now these are, let me give you, let me get, I'm gonna give you like some super practical examples from like these are not the big global, like this is just like everyday kind of stuff, right? But here's little kind of ways that I try to practice this in my, in my life on a daily basis. And again, this is my thesis that every day Jesus the Good Shepherd is speaking to us. Here's, one, here's, here's, here's a practice that I take very seriously. I, I try to do this 100% of the time. Anytime I have a passing thought about somebody, 
where I feel like God has brought them to my consciousness for whatever reason. I can't always prove that's from God, but I just assume that that's from God if I think about somebody. 100% of the time, if somebody comes into my mind, my default assumption is gonna be God made me think of that person. I'm gonna write their name down, and then I'm gonna consider if there's something I'm supposed to do. Sometimes I think it's just to pray for them. A lot of times that's what it is. But a lot of times it's to email or send a text, just, hey, thinking about you, you came to mind, everything good? And of course, there's always these, I mean, sometimes it's, oh yeah, good, that, that's all, that is it. But of course, there's always these times where like, actually, man, some, something just happened, and that's amazing that you just reached out. And every time something like that happens, I'm like, man, isn't that cool the way God does this? Like, God is with that person who's grieving right now, and God is with me trying to t- teach me about love on a daily basis, talk to me about love. And um, it's so beautiful at the spiritual cosmic level. It's also, it is where I do see the reality of the choices we make really do make a difference, right? There's like always this balance between there's God's providential, eternal kind of reality that's happening and then there's how we participate with it. But it really, whether or not I texted that person affects whether or not that encounter happens right there, right? And so that's why I think this stuff is really important as a practice that, you know, so that's for me one of the primary ways that the practice of listening for God, voice as love for neighbor comes to bear. If I think about somebody, I just assume it's probably God that brought that person to my mind, which is a very different way than just thinking about, right? I mean, I also think about my favorite baseball team. I think about building businesses from scratch. I think about all kinds of weird things. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it's not from God, but when a person comes, I just assume because that's who God is and how God works, that that one was probably from God. All right, that's a whole shift in orientation. Let me give you just like one more just really practical example. I try to take birthdays really seriously, right? So um, anybody that's in my life, when they have a birthday, I'm glad we've got this Sunday thing. I think it's really cool and fun and goofy when we're doing, I don't know, what what, what wonderful thing that was today that we did. Um, But so I just have alerts on my phone. And so whenever it's somebody's birthday, uh, it pops up. And so here's like a practice I do. Every time it's somebody's birthday, I pause and think and say, um, is there something I should do or could do that would honor that person? Um, should I write a little note? Like, depending on how close it is, you know, I mean, you know, is it somebody I should get together with? Um, but I don't, I'm sure you do stuff like that, but do you, do you think of that as participating in the practice of listening for God? <laughs> uh, but I think that like little shift makes a difference because that's my belief is that God wants to celebrate us and God wants to affirm us and that when it's somebody's birthday, that could be a time where God might be calling me to practice loving neighbor in a really concrete way. Right, you see, I mean, we're not talking about, I'm not talking about fighting injustice right now and all that, though I think that's all part of it too. I'm talking about like really practical daily ways that we can join God in the living, of, uh, the living out of love in the world and, and just trusting again, and the, 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 I'm coming to a conclusion here, trusting that Jesus is the good shepherd, that we are his sheep, but that that's not just between us as individuals and Jesus, that's like, that includes the whole community. Right? And so one of the ways Jesus is going to bless that sheep that Jesus is talking to is by talking to this sheep about joining in with what Jesus is doing with that sheep. And that's what I think the third part of this is, is honing in on both a belief that this is who God is, a belief that this is who we are, but then actually practicing putting it into daily, concrete kind of application. Whew, y'all tracking with me? I think it's both giant and practical. It's wonderful and accessible. I believe it's what is true that God speaks to us, that Jesus is the good shepherd. I believe it's what's true about us, that we are God's beloved, that the spirit of God is inside of us and on us and over us, that like the book of Acts says, it's like a flame that lives above us reminding us to trust that the spirit of God speaks to us. And I believe that we can do this. And so let me come back to that phrase I told you. 
that we would come back to, verse 16, if you don't mind, Sergio, trying to find that again. Um, let's, let's go ahead and stand now. We're still going to sing another song, but let's stand like almost as like a physical way of saying, I'm stepping into this a little bit, God. I'm, I'm going to step into I'm, I'm going to step into this. Verse 16, the Apostle John says, so we can know, and know is not just intellectual. Know it, like when you say you know someone, that's not just intellectual knowing about them. That's like relational, it's emotional, it's spiritual. The, the John believes this. John believes we can know the love that God has for us, and we can learn to rely on it. Now, I love that word rely. Rely doesn't speak to something as being optional, does it? Like if, if you, when you say I rely on food and water on a daily basis, that's not like, oh, if I get a chance to eat or drink at some point, I will. <laughs> when you say we rely on something, it means we have come to understand that it is absolutely essential to our well-being. And worship team, you can come on up because we're about to put this into practice by listening in the spirit of worship. When the Apostle John says we can know this love and we can rely on I think John is assuming within this the ability to hear and listen to the voice of God. There's a lot of components that come into knowing and relying on it, but a big part of it, to come to know this, to come to rely on it, requires a daily interactive kind of relationship where Jesus the Good Shepherd speaks and we as the beloved sheep listen. And you're not going to get it right every time and there's going to be a whole bunch of times you doubt yourself and wonder if this is actually, <laughs> you're just making this whole thing up. Uh, but John wanted his people to know that this love can be internalized and you come to a deep knowledge of that and we can learn to rely on it. So as we get ready to sing right now, we'll close out with benediction here in a minute, but let's, let's, let's put it into practice right now, right? Let's, let us try to position ourselves in such a way that we believe the triune God, creator God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, let's try to believe what the Bible says in the same way that this is depicted in the Old Testament and New Testament, that the God of the universe is singing over us right now. And that by the time you sing these words that we sing together, we're not starting this song, we're contributing, we're participating in this song. God sings to us, we sing back, we're learning to rely on that love, we're opening our hearts and minds to hear from the voice of God. So maybe even today, one of these verses, once some part of this, you'll feel God give you a little nudge in your heart and say, that's what's true about me, that's what's true about you, here's what it means as you live it out. Let's, let's sing together. I'm sure it would have been a sweet space in here anyway, but after being gone two weeks, it feels especially sweet in here. I'm glad to be back with you all. I'm glad to be kicking into the new year. Um, we're going to kind of close with a benediction here. A couple of things I just want to share. Um, I'm excited next weekend. One of my very closest friends is a pastor in the uh, New York, New Jersey area named Peter Ahn. He's going to come stay with me next weekend for the first time. I go to his house once a year out there, but he's going to come stay with me, and he's going to stay and preach next Sunday. And he's, a, um, he's part of a national organization with Pete Scazzaro and the Emotionally Healthy Church that does trainings around spiritual and emotional awareness and health. So we'll talk about the practice of emotional awareness and emotional health next week. And I think that will be really good. I'm looking forward to that. So if you've got anybody you want to bring with for that, that's an important subject matter. And the last thing I want to mention, we are kicking off our next semester midweek next Wednesday. So those of you who are veterans have probably already figured out if you can come or not come. Maybe this is especially for those of you who are newer. We meet in this place at 7 o'clock. We do a 10-week cycle. There's multi We start off as a big group. We break into multiple small groups. We have dinner together at the end. It's a really wonderful way to get involved. And so if you're like even like 10% open to that, why don't you come talk to me right now? And I will convince you the other 90% to join up with us. Um, so, but everybody remember, Wednesday night, we kick off the next midweek in here. 
in looking forward to that. Okay. As we finish with the benediction, that's Latin for a good word. It's a church practice where we remember the word that God has spoken and try to really hold on to it and go into the next week. So whatever way you want to even physically posture yourself to put yourself under God's good word, I would invite us to uh, think of the two verbs that the Apostle John used in 1 John 4, 16. John says you can know this love and you can rely on this love. And so first I invite you to reflect on the invitation from God to know in a personal and intimate and customized way for you that God is love, that you are God's beloved, and that you're part of how God's going to show love to the world. Can you just sit in that for a minute and say, what, what does that good word mean for me that the Apostle John believes I can know that. I can know who God is. I can know who I am. I can know how I participate in the world. Can we remember that that's, that's how John wanted his believers, his, his disciples to think about this, that they can know this love. And then it goes even further. What, what would it be like to actually truly believe I rely on this, that I can't be who I am without this word from God? I can't be who I need to be without trusting that God is who God says God is, that I can't know my own sense of purpose in the world without relying on this love. May you come to know and may you come to rely on the fact that God is love, that you are beloved, and that God invites you to participate in love being made materially, concretely shown to the world. And all God's people said, amen. Love you all.